Welcome to another edition of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Joshua Braswell. In today's episode, hosts Elizabeth McGee and I will talk about the next generation. And I don't mean Star Trek. Maybe we'll cover that later. I mean the next generation of leadership in our county. We'll be talking with Lee Yunt of the Teen Action Council and one of her program's participants, as well as Lauren Vanacore of Teens Changing Gaston County about why youth leadership is so important. So I'm Joshua Braswell. Welcome to another episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm here with Elizabeth McGee from the Budget Office. She's hey. the co-host today. Hey, Josh. Um, oh, he- hello. <laughs> um, and I'm also here with uh, Lee Yunt of DHHS. She is over the Teen Action Council. And uh, she has brought with us today one of the um, Teen Action Council members, uh, Lily Riley. Um, hello. So, hello. So uh, tell us a little bit about the Teen Action Council. What, 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 when were they formed and what exactly do they do? So the Gaston County Teen Action Council started in 2010, 2011. Um, at that time, Gaston County had a large grant from the CDC to reduce the amount of teen pregnancies we saw in the county. Um, so it was formed under that grant and their goal was teen pregnancy prevention. Um, that grant was five years. So as that tapered off, the health department took it on as their project, expanded um, the subjects that they focus on um, to include other health topics that affect teens. So, And it's a group of high school students from throughout the county, so any high school student in Gaston County um, can apply to be on the Teen Action Council. And what, what did the Teen Action Council do about pregnancy prevention? I, I guess that grant is over, and so that initiative... Is, is it still ongoing, or were there? did you see any results coming out of the Teen Action Council around that? We, the community as a whole saw a lot of good results from the grant, um, but the focus of the Teen Action Council, and, and still what they do today, was a lot of peer education. So they start with um, kind of like an intensive retreat where they get the training for themselves, the education that maybe they don't get at school on various health topics and then they are able to go out and teach their peers. So the idea is that they do one-on-one peer education, but also that they come up with events where they can host educational events or um, information about our Teen Wellness Center or whatever it is in the community for their peers. Is the Teen Action Council tied to school semesters or is it year-round? It's it's tied to the school year. If something comes up in the summer – We'll send it out to, like, returning members, like yeah. Lily here, <laughs> um, to see if they're available. But it's really uh, August to June. So, Lily, did you go on this educational retreat already? Uh, I did it last year. Um, our retreat's actually coming up soon for this upcoming year. But, um, yes, it was so much fun getting to meet everyone. Just being able to be involved with a bunch of other teens that are interested in Willing to help other teens in the community is awesome. So give us a Cliff's Notes overview. Like what kind of stuff did you learn about in that retreat? So the big thing is about like sexual and mental health, just like any ways we can help teens around our community. One thing that we did, which was really fun, was we went to um, the schools. Well, I went to my school, and we had a Teen Action Council member, well, one of our leaders come and uh, we basically just told a bunch of kids during lunchtime what the Teen Action Council does and what the Teen Wellness Wellness Center is and help them out and stuff, which was really fun. That's cool. What what is the Teen Wellness Center? 
So the Teen Wellness Center is basically a doctor's office for teens. Um, they can go there and get free health care options, and they, there's just people specifically there to help teens. So if they need anything that where they don't even want to tell their parents, they can go there and get help. Where, where is it? Is it in Gastonia? Yep. So the Teen Wellness Center is actually part of the health department. Um, so our main location is at the main health department at 991 West Hudson Boulevard. And then we also see teens at our Highland Health Center. So you said the teens in the program sort of develop concepts that they then implement. Did they implement them individually at their own schools? Because they're from all different schools, right? Correct. Uh, do they come up with ideas and then do them specifically at their school? Or do they kind of everybody does different things? Or do they all do the same ideas and implement them at their schools? Yes, to all of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and I will say, Lily was our first, like, post-COVID, combo COVID year, so they, her year was a little different this past year, but hopefully this year will be back to more of the norm. So, when we interview the applicants for Teen Action Council, one of the interview questions is, what do you see as the top three health issues affecting your peers? So whatever those top three kind of consensus we get across the board or the three issues we focus on, they stay pretty similar. You know, sexual health always comes up in some way, whether it's pregnancy, STDs, or anything like that. Um, mental health has been a big one the past few years. And then the, the last one is kind of wavered. Vaping and smoking is usually a big one. Sometimes it's drug use. Um, it's been physical health, like exercise, nutrition, stuff like that. So once we have those three topics... They actually form committees, so the teens get to choose which committee they want to be on. Not everybody gets their first choice if everybody picks the same one. And then that committee's job is to kind of come up with ideas on how they'll get their topic out, whether it's one-on-one -on -one in their school, um, events like Forest View did at the lunch, having a table with teen wellness information, TAC information, um, or events outside the school for the community. So they've helped with pre-established events, and then tax in the past have also had their own, like health fairs and things like that. That's actually one thing I was going to ask is what issues are most affecting teens right now and are the issues that teens are facing today or the issues that you're tackling different from what I know you said you originally started with a grant uh, that, that was specific, but um, are the issues changing or? I'll let you answer what's affecting teens today. And so <laughs> the big thing now is I think mental health. Um, over COVID, it affected so many teens. I think the depression percentage uh, for teens, like, gradually increased. And so that was one thing that I'm very passionate about is helping teens with mental health and anxiety and depression. So I like talking about that and helping others. Uh, sexual health, of course, is always a big um, issue in teens. So being able to learn about the Teen Wellness Center and having those free health care options like free birth control, free STD testing, even just to go there and have assistance with, even if you get pregnant, you can get uh, prenatals there, which is awesome, yeah. So if, what would you tell teens about mental health since this is something that you say you're passionate about? What do you want people to know? Yes, yeah, so my big thing is about going to get help. Um, don't be afraid to go and talk to someone, even if it's not your parents. Like, go to your closest friend or a teacher that you like, just please talk to someone because it even everyone needs someone to talk to. That's my big thing. Yeah, totally agree. And, and, and it never stops, even adults. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And I'll say 
you know, speaking to like changing over the years, I've seen a difference even in just the participants. You know, I can remember the first group I added on mental health with, and there was still a little of the background stigma and taboo about mental health, whereas groups now, that's really not existent. They're much more open to talking about it, accepting of mental health disorders and um, talking to other people about it. So definitely seen a rise in that. But she is correct. There has been a pretty big increase in mental health issues. If we look at our, we just got data from the 2021 Youth Risk Behavior Survey that the high school students take. And from 2019 to 2021, the majority of the mental health questions, which I don't know off the top of my head, there was an increase in them. So, Youth Definitely. risk behaviors. Give me, give me some examples of risk behaviors. So it's a survey. It's an anonymous survey that they take um, in high schools or there's a middle school in too. I'm um, sure I took it. <laughs> yes, probably. And it, I mean, it asks questions about everything. So do you wear a bicycle helmet? I mean, it asks about injury prevention, violence prevention, uh, nutrition, exercise, um, sexual health, mental health. It encompasses all health statistics, but just looking at the comparison from 2019 to 2021, the mental health is definitely one that stood out as increasing. So. That makes so much. I mean, I can't imagine going through middle school or high school online. Right. I, that was just something that teens today have had to live through that is just, it's unimaginable for all of us older folks right. <laughs> who yes. didn't. It was very hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was hard enough just working you know, working from home and having to do high school or middle school or elementary school even online. Right. It's it's no surprise that mental health has taken a toll. Right. We are social human beings. <laughs> yes. Yes. So are you meeting in person now, speaking of COVID stuff? Yes, we are meeting in person. Actually, whenever it was right, whenever I think things started to calm down a little bit, we still wore masks and we talked about it like, are we, if you don't want to wear a mask or or should we wear masks? So we had discussions about it, but we all felt very comfortable with each other. And uh, if we, you didn't want to wear a mask, you didn't have to and stuff like that. But we, we, yeah, we never had any meetings where I don't think we had a quarantine or anything, which was nice. That's good. We did have one full tack year that was all virtual. Mm -hmm. um, and when this peak of COVID really got started, that it kind of halted because all of the uh, counselors work in public health, so we had other duties. But last year, we were able to go back to fully in person. Mm -hmm. The retreat has changed. It's now local because of COVID. We haven't been able to go out of town. But Oh, you normally go out of town? <laughs> yes. yes, we used to go to um, a place in Blowing Rock. It was kind of like a, a camp, basically. So they got to – they really got to get to know each other was probably the biggest aspect of the retreat. Mm -hmm. They stayed in camp-style, like, bunk beds and – um, so we just had training, team building, um, all there at the location. So, and then in the last day we did take them to Blowing Rock for pizza and they got to have a little fun. So. Do you primarily recruit sort of through peers, just through people knowing each other through school or do you get a lot of like, I'm assuming there's an online, there's an online application to apply. Mm -hmm. So peers, the TAC members who are already in it do a lot of the, like we'll get a lot of their friends and schoolmates and things like that. But then we do send the application through guidance counselors at each high school, and they'll kind of post that on their web pages or send it out through there so that youth can apply. And then when they did the few schools that did the team wellness days, they were able to have 
um, a QR code that people could just scan at their table to have the application too. So that's cool. So we're in summer, so maybe a little bit of a summer break for tech. Um, but are there any things that we should be looking forward to next year for the Teen Action Council? Hopefully they'll be. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, a lot. They'd have the retreat in August right before school starts. So they'll get acquainted um, with their topics and start to form their committees. Um, but they'll definitely do more of the team wellness days in their schools um, because I think that was helpful for a lot of the peers who don't know about the team wellness or TAC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whatever events they plan. Yeah, our biggest thing last year was uh, letting people know that there was the Teen Wellness Center because mm. during COVID it wasn't being used. So that was like our biggest thing was making sure kids or teens have that place or they know that they have that place. Right. Uh, so can we find the Teen Action Council online or on social media if we want to follow along? Yes, I think we just have an Instagram. We don't have like a website. Okay. So the Instagram is Gaston underscore TAC. Cool, T-A-C. T-A-C. For Teen Action Council. Awesome. And hopefully with the new website, maybe we'll have, they'll have a, something T- on there eventually. But the new county website? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you listeners who don't know, the county just rolled out a really, really beautiful gastongov.com website. It honestly is way easier to use. There's like a cool little chat bot that you can just type your questions and it'll like chat you answers. I love it. <laughs> it's a very aesthetically pleasing website. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so TBD, maybe maybe Teen Action Council will have some information on this website. Yes. Um, but for now, Instagram. Yes. Is it, are the teens running the Instagram? Who's running the Instagram? So one of their, or their two co-counselors this year are running it, but mm-hmm. we, in the past, and I'll recommend it to them since I supervise that, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that they have, I mean, we've done like teen takeovers, so while we still have control of the Instagram, they would send us, like, pictures for the day and, like, stuff they were doing throughout the day or have them come up with posts and stuff like that. And then definitely advertising the other events or things that they do on there. So hopefully this year they'll get the teens a little more involved with the oh, that's awesome. Instagram page. Yeah, They also help come up with some stuff for our team wellness Instagram page as well. Oh, and wow. Post, and we'll kind of cross-share those mm. things too. So the wellness page is purely, like, tips and stuff, I assume? Um. It varies. It's information on the Teen Wellness Center. We have interviews from our providers and nurses on there. Um, If there's a certain health topic that month that we go over, we have a whole, like, birth control highlight that talks about the different methods. Lots of ways to get information and get involved. And Lily, as a teen from the council, can you share a little bit about um, what has it meant for you to be on this council? It, like, do you feel like you've grown as a person by being in this kind of, like, educational role for your peers? Yes, it's been very cool to be educated <laughs> on different health matters and just mental health matters um, for teens to be kind of that. Well, I was the only person from Forest View this year, so it was kind of cool to be that person that people would come to if they had any questions or any concerns, which was nice. Yeah. And you get to meet people from a bunch of other schools, oh, too. Oh, yes. It, that was fun, too. Getting to uh, become friends with other people from other schools was awesome, especially since we came back from COVID. Mm. You didn't really have that many friends outside of, like, your school. So yeah. being able to make those friends was fun. Awesome. Um, so typically applications go out to students at, towards the end of March, um, beginning of April, and then we'll kind of have a 
sometime in May deadline for the applications. They do interviews usually in June over the summer and then make their decision and have the retreat before school starts in August. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, ask your guidance counselors or ask a fellow TAC member at the in the spring mm-hmm. next year. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. Well, thank yeah, you thanks for, for having being on us. today. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for thank having you. us. You're listening to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. We are continuing our conversation about how teens can start their trek of developing leadership skills and how that can help the county to live long and prosper. This is Joshua Braswell, and um, I'm joined again with uh, co-host uh, Elizabeth McGee, and we're talking to Lauren Vanicor. She is the Community Engagement Officer for the Gaston Community Foundation, and she is here to talk with us about the Teens Changing Gaston County program. Is that correct? Correct. Um, and so you're relatively new to your position, right? I am. Three whole weeks. Oh my gosh, three weeks. Three weeks. Well, yes, I started July 5th and I've already taken a week of vacation. So <laughs> That's awesome. It is. Wait, so how's, how's it been going so far? It's been great. The foundation is a wonderful place to work. The people there who not only are the staff for the foundation, but the board members, they're not only engaged in the community, but they're engaged with how to make the community better. It's, it's been a great transition, um, and I'm learning a lot. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not learning something new. Obviously, it's a new position, but the folks there, the staff members, have been great to help me along the way and teaching me the things I need to know. And I'm not new to Gaston County, so that helps. Um, But it is a learning curve. Mm -hmm. But my first project with the foundation is TCGC, or Teens Changing Gaston County. Yeah, and... The main reason we have you here is to talk about teens changing Gaston County. But first, I want to I wanna ask you about your background. So if you just started this job three weeks ago, what have you been doing up until now? I came to Gastonia in August of 2011 uh, to accept the call as the associate pastor of the First Presbyterian Church of Gastonia on Garrison Boulevard, right across from Greer Middle School. It's a great worshiping community in our beautiful city. And I served there for 11 years, and my primary role there was community engagement. I did missions. I worked for, um, uh, worked alongside the deacons as they did mission and engaged with the community. And um, of course, I did the traditional pastoral things. I preached. I officiated weddings and funerals and baptisms, and um, it was a great opportunity and brought our family here. I'm married to Jeff. I have two teenage boys, Will and James. And so getting us to Gaston County was the biggest blessing. And then the opportunities we've had to be involved and engaged in the community since we got here. It's just been one door opening into another. And it's been it's been great. It's a great place to live, this little community of ours. And a great place to raise children. Yeah. I can definitely see the similarities between you know community engagement in a church setting and then moving that to the realm of philanthropy. I you know I can see a lot of overlap there. There is, and a lot of the executive directors of the nonprofits in our community, I already know them. I already have a really, I already <laughs> have their email addresses. You know, I already know how to connect with them. Um, whether I've served on their board as a member representing First Presbyterian Church or as um, just somebody in the community interested in what they're doing and how that congregation could connect with the particular nonprofit. So all of, not all of those relationships, but a lot of those relationships, as I transition into my new, new role 
at the community foundation, a lot of those relationships are already in process. And so it's building on those relationships in a new uh, capacity, which is exciting. It's, um, it's what I wanted to do all along, <laughs> was be part of the community, engage a congregation with the people um, in their community, and now I'm just doing it in a different format. Um, I don't do a benediction every time I, <laughs> I leave somebody's presence. I don't have to, or I don't get to pray with them necessarily. I pray for them, of course, but um, it's just shifting the things that I have been doing for years. I've been ordained for 23 years, so it's just a matter of um, putting on a different hat in yeah. a new way. It's been good. Awesome. So how did you get involved with the um, TCGC program specifically? The foundation had uh, developed TCGC as a partnership with the YMCA probably 17 years ago, 18 years. I think this is our 17th year we're beginning this fall. And over the years, it had been a partnership. And for whatever reason, um, and we still have great relationships with the YMCA and partnering with them on particular uh, programs, uh, for whatever reason, it has kind of become uh, exclusively under the umbrella of the Community Foundation for now. And um, so we're in our 17th year, and the whole point is to engage young people ninth through 12th graders at any Gaston County school to engage them directly with the people in our community who are change makers, who are doing the service hands-on, who are um, helping the poor, um, helping those in need directly, who are filling the gaps that we have in Gaston County still, as much as we love our community, they're still people who are struggling and people who need assistance and organizations that can so benefit from the wit and wisdom of high schoolers. We need them. <laughs> they are, you know, they are our future. And so I know that's cliche, but it is so true. And they're so wise on so many levels. And it's just a way to help um, connect them, connect their wisdom to learn more and grow. And hopefully, you know, go off, go to college, learn a trade, do whatever they seek to do after high school, but bring it back to Gaston County to make our community even stronger. Mm -hmm. So what what impact do you think this program has on teens? Like, what do they, uh, I was reading a little bit about it online. It's It lasts for a school year. Um, what is it, seven or eight sessions throughout the school year? It'll be nine sessions the third Tuesday of every month. Uh, from 5 to 6 p.m., mm -hmm. and we really encourage students, if they are applying for TCGC for this year, the deadline is August 5th, um, if they are applying, we really want them to be committed to seven of those Tuesday night sessions, if they can. Um, we we recognize it's, it's challenging because kids want to be involved in a lot of different areas in their academic and extracurricular life, but we hope this will become a really important one for them, but to participate in at least seven of those non-Tuesday evening gatherings. And then there are additional activities outside of that that include site visits to the places we will be learning about. And they will also have the opportunity, one of the things that they enjoy doing the most that I'm learning about is the community garden, the Rotary Community Garden. And so in the applications that I'm reading that have already been submitted, the community garden comes up over and over again, along with crisis assistance ministries. That's mm -hmm. another one that's been really impactful 
for young people thus far. And so we want to help them understand what it means to gather, what it means to grow, and what it means to give. And that's just my personal mission mm-hmm. <laughs> as I take over this project. But they've lost something with COVID and all the applications I'm reading so far, every single student has said, I'm so excited to be with other young people from Gaston County who care about the things that I care about, Mm -hmm. which is being in service to other people consistently. Every single application I've read thus far um, has said that same thing. So they're they're thriving or striving to be together. Um, And so we want to give them that opportunity to connect with one another And then through the process, we teach them how to recruit other young people who might want to apply for a grant. This is about teaching them how the philanthropic process works through the Community Foundation. So they will um, develop an understanding of the grant-making process, and then they will develop an understanding of how to deliberate once grants come in and how they seek to disperse the $5,000 that they are given. And they could give it all to, you know, in one lump sum to one organization that is a youth-led organization, or they can divvy it up in different increments, which they typically tend to do it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But their goal is to go out and tell other young people that they can apply for grants for whatever their projects might be. So if you're an Eagle Scout, or if you're a a Boy Scout working to complete your Eagle, you could apply for a grant. If you're a Girl Scout working to complete your Gold Award, you could apply for a grant. If you're doing something with your uh, church or house of worship, you could apply for a grant um, to join with those efforts. And then once the grants are received, the young people with TCGC read and review them all, Mm -hmm. and then they deliberate about how they're going to divide up the money. And so they learn that process. And then the last part of the process is that once they've deliberated, they have the great joy of letting people know you've received a grant. Mm -hmm. But they also have the responsibility of letting those who have been denied a grant know that. Mm -hmm. And so they learn that interpersonal skill of having to give good news, but also having to share difficult news. And that's an important part of maturing and growing up and um, giving bad news is sometimes something we all have to do and so it's a helpful um, safe space to learn how to do that. Yeah that's definitely I feel like that's always an interview question and jobs is what's the time you had to do something really hard. Right (laughs) right and this could be something they cite as an example. Um, Tell us about what the goal of the program is. The goals of the program would be, in my mind, first connecting kids with one another, young people, um, with one another, so that they can be around young people with a similar mindset. What we know about this generation of young people, Generation Z, they're called, Mm -hmm. um, they are heavily Mm service-oriented. They are um, the most diverse generation of all the generations before them but they're also the most socially conscious. And so they are aware of the the plight of people around them, and they're attuned to it in a way that is lost on maybe people in my generation or older. Um, Not lost on us, but maybe we're not as proactive about wanting to pursue justice. Mm -hmm. 
And so we want to make sure that there is an avenue for young people who seek to provide an equitable environment for all of Gastonia's citizens, that they have an avenue, that they have a path to do that together. And so in that um, gathering, they get to know each other, they learn about one another's stories. Um, We pray that it will be a diverse group of young people. We really hope that it will be. So if you're a high school guidance counselor listening to this right now (laughs) from any high school in the county, please um, go to our website and and connect your young people with this uh, program. So the goals would be connecting young people, giving them an overview. We can't hit all of the nonprofits in Gaston County in one year, but we seek to give them an overview of the agencies in our community that are doing really good work to meet human need. And then the third part would be about helping them know how to give not only financially, but of their time and their talents as we give back to these nonprofits. And we encourage them to be student leaders themselves uh, as they seek to perhaps apply for a grant for their own project. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully it's just more tools in their toolbox as they mature and grow and become adults and prepare to go wherever they're supposed to go when they graduate, whatever that path might be. Can you just talk a little bit about who are the different kinds of people involved in philanthropy and grant making? Um, because, I don't know, I, I think at least in, in my mind, when I think of uh, a community foundation or philanthropy, um, you know, I'm curious about who all is involved in making the decisions or gathering the money. Obviously, there's donors, but there's also people reviewing grants and Um, You know, are are there community panels? Who are all the different people involved in the process? That's a really good question. In terms of all of the different foundations in Gaston County, we have quite a few foundations that are covering a lot of different areas, which you probably talked to several of them over the course of your time doing this podcast. But um, there are those uh, that are are strategically working towards health care. There are those that are working towards um, education. There are those that are doing civic work. Um, there are a variety of different foundations in our community. The beautiful thing about the Gaston Community Foundation is that it's the money of the people. <laughs> it is the funding of the people. So, so is there like a threshold for like how can anyone Anybody be can give, yes. Anybody mm. can have a fund at the foundation that can be donor-directed. That is, if you if you give $20 mm-hmm. to the foundation and you say, I want ten, $10 of this to be unrestricted and I want $10 of it to be for whatever you're passionate about, mm-hmm. then you would give us insight over the course of the year as to, okay, now I want you to um, give the $10 that I've designated to this organization now because they're working on this. Mm-hmm. And so, but the thing, for lack of a better word, about gathering your money under the community foundation, you have this security under the umbrella. And when you are gathering your $20 with somebody else's $20 with somebody else's $20, it's going to grow faster. Mm -hmm. And so your money will make a bigger impact. But you also have a level of um, discretion or I hate the word control per se, but you have a level of control, control over what um, what organizations, what 
community-related programs and projects and nonprofits that you want to support the things that you're passionate about, whether it's children or healthcare or education or, or whatever it may be. So the, the great thing about what the young people learn is that when they have their little parcel of $5,000, that's set aside for them in the community foundation budget every year. That's their money. And nobody else can touch that money. They have the discretion to determine who receives it. Now, there are guidelines for how the money can be distributed. But and there's a process, too, that There's a process. Yeah. There's a deliberation process. And they have to come up with how that deliberation process works in a lot of ways. There are some established kind of recommendations that, you know, it has to be a Gaston County project. It can't be something in Mecklenburg County that we're supporting. So they do know that there are certain parameters. But beyond that, they get to decide amongst themselves as a group the organizations that they choose to support. And there's a variety of different um, headings that they can choose from that help us know maybe what this group is more um, interested in. Because it, it shifts every year when yeah. you have different young people involved. But How big are the groups usually? Right now I have 40 applications, and so that's 40 students. But the deadline is August 5th. <laughs> We're taking applications, and, and there will be a, a team of uh, adults who will help oversee with me. I advise, but we have, you know, supervisors that help with crowd control and things like that. But um, so far, the more the merrier. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. Nobody's going to be, at this point, the way the process has worked, no young person who submits an application is going to be turned away because if they're excited and they're interested, we want to tap into that and help it grow in their own sense of purpose and self and understanding about who they are and how they can be in service in our county. We've talked a little bit about the the teen council, um, but can you explain more about what is what is the purpose of the community foundation and how does it um, what kind of impact does it have for Gaston County? Because there are so many different organizations that fall under our umbrella, and all you have to do is go check all those um, organizations out on our website, which mm -hmm. is cfgaston.org, and it lists the variety of different organizations from houses of worship to nonprofits to family foundations to um, particular initiatives Anybody can kind of fall under the umbrella from individuals to, um, to corporations to nonprofits. And so it's not exclusive. That's what I think is really important to help the community understand is that, uh, like I said to you earlier, if you have $20 to invest, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Granted, if you have a million dollars to invest, that's great too. Uh -huh. um, how many... Average citizens have a million dollars they can invest. Not many, but that $20 could go a long way to meet human need and to fill in um, an area in our community that needs attention. Can you talk about some recent projects that TCGC has, have funded? Uh, their last grant cycle, they funded two. Um, one was for the Caring Cupboard Food Box that happens to be located in the parking lot of the First Presbyterian Church of Gastonia, which we've already talked about. But it was to maintain a regular food supply 
for that caring cupboard. Um, Anybody can come by at any time to get food, um, and it's open. It happens to be right across the street from Greer Middle School, so it could be that students are walking across the street after school to get a granola bar <laughs> or a, a prepackaged Chef Boyardee ravioli. I don't know. I, ne- I never see people really taking the food, but um, it is to keep the food supply replenished as often as possible. So that was one grant. And the other grant was for the Fresh Start program at Lingerfeld Elementary School. And a student wanted to um, route those funds through her church. And then she is doing that project with Lingerfeld Elementary School, which I'm not exactly sure all the ins and outs, but it's to give a kid a fresh start at the beginning of the school year school supplies and things like that. Oh, okay. So if there's a child who um, might not come with all the supplies that he or she needs, there's a stash through that grant, which is being um, pulled together. That stash of supplies is being pulled together by one of the young people Mm -hmm. uh, who has been through TCGC so that those children at Lingerfeld will have what they need to start the school year and not feel like they're not keeping up or have have those things. Mm -hmm. So you said that the teens are responsible for recruiting other teens to submit mm-hmm. applications for for this pool of $5,000. So not only are the teens, you know, evaluating the grants, but we also have teens who are writing the grants. Correct. And applying for the funds, mm-hmm. and they're developing their own projects. Correct. This is really cool. And they're learning how to write. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Grant writing is not an easy task, and so there there are guidelines that mm-hmm. they um, we provide for them to be able to follow, so they can cross all the T's and dot all the I's to make sure that their grant is comprehensive. Mm-hmm. And so we guide them through the writing process as well as through, you know, recruiting young people to submit grants and the del- deliberation process of giving the money away. And then, so once once the grants have been awarded, um, I read online that the teens get involved, actually, to volunteer at the places where they gr- award grant money to. And they go to places where they don't award grant money as well. So oh, wow. they go all over the place. Uh, one of the things that they love doing is the community garden. And during COVID, when there were things that that they couldn't do indoors, the garden was there. Yeah. And so that provided an opportunity for the young people to gather and do something outdoors where, you know, in theory, they were safer. Yeah. And so <laughs> um, uh, I hope they will continue to want to do that as a project into the new year. We have a plot at the Rotary Garden. Um, we're plot number seven. <laughs> and so we're getting ready to plant broccoli as our fall crop. And so that's going to, I'm planning on it continuing because uh, we're planting broccoli. So um, I, that'll be a program that they continue to do. They have enjoyed um, going to crisis assistance ministry to see the food pantry and restock the shelves there. Um, one of our young people was really intrigued by a presentation by TechWorks. And so he has gone on to be a volunteer for TechWorks as well. Uh-huh. Um, so it has connected young people to organizations that they are not only exposed to, but then they end up wanting to be involved with them beyond TCGC, yeah. which, which is 
the neat thing. We're about connecting young people with the areas that they might want to serve in their spare time. Not that young people have a lot of it, Mm -hmm. but they want to spend it serving others. Um, And that, I think, is a beautiful thing. It is. To want to give their time. You know, there are stereotypes about our young people that they're constantly on social media or they're constantly um, on their phones or video gaming or whatever. And, and there are kids who enjoy that, and that's great. But they're, they're also really engaged in wanting to make a difference, mm-hmm. and that should never be overlooked. They have a lot to offer, and we can celebrate that through TCGC, but also connect them to the agencies where they feel like they can use their gifts, the skills that they've been given, to give back to that organization to serve people in that area uh, in our in our county. It's just the coolest thing. Yeah, that's fantastic. It is fantastic. Yeah. And I don't know if other communities have, I'm sure they do, I'm sure other community foundations have programs like this, um, but I'm just honored that we have it here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you have your hands full for your first full year yeah. on the job. Yeah. It's um, going to be great. It is going to be great. I'm used to working with young people. That's mm-hmm. not new to me. So I'm really I'm glad that this is the first for my transition outside of uh, full-time ministry. Um, I'm really excited that this is my first project, for lack of a better word, my first um, area of engagement is to work with young people because that's what I was doing um, in full-time ministry. And so I can just continue that as I am a full-time community worker now. It's been great. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And thanks for um, shining a light not only on TCGC, but on the Gaston Community Foundation. And applications are due August 5th at 5 p.m. No later (laughs) than. (laughs) Thanks, Lauren. Awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.